Week 9 of the NFL season is done. The Bills, the Bills beat the Seahawks, put a beat down on them, scored 40 plus points in Arizona. Tua, Tua puts on a show, beats Kyle Murray. The Buccaneers get their ass whooped. Saints put another beat down on the Buccaneers, take command of the NFC South. In the Premier League in England, Wolves struggle against the Foxes. Leicester wins 1-0. City and Liverpool tie. Man United exposes Everton. This is Hard to Handle Sports, episode number 15. My name's Ismael San Juan. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get started. In the NFL, week 9 is in the books. Let's quickly go through the scores. Packers 34, 49ers 17, Texans 27, Jaguars 25, Giants 23, Washington 20, Ravens 24, Colts 10. Lions 20, Vikings 34, Bears 17, Titans 24, Panthers against Chiefs 31-33, Chiefs get the dub, Seahawks 34, Bills 44, Bills get the 10-point win against Seattle, Falcons 34, Broncos 27, Falcons get the W, Raiders squeak out a win against the Chargers, the Chargers just can't get out of their way, they find new ways of losing every week, Raiders 31, Chargers 26. Dolphins 34, Cardinals 31, great game. In my previous podcast episode, I said if you had time to take a look at this game, it was going to be a good game. It was. Talk, Touch on it in a little bit. Steelers 24, Cowboys 19. Cowboys surprisingly made the game interesting, kept it close. It was, it was a pretty entertaining game to watch too. Saints 38, Buccaneers 3. I'll go, I'll deep, I'll deep dive into this game, but 38, 38-3, the Saints put a beatdown on the Buccaneers. Brady looked kind of old. Uh, Sean Payton definitely outcoached Bruce Arians. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Uh, on Sunday Night Football, it was crazy, crazy scenes. Everybody, uh, almost everyone predicted Buccaneers, including myself. It was an unexpected game. On Monday Night Football, the Patriots squeaked out a win, 30-27 against the Jets. I think both of them left happy after that game. Patriots keep their slim slim playoff hopes alive and the Jets you know they're going for that perfect 0-16 to get Trevor Lawrence and they got their loss they're right on track to draft Trevor Lawrence I know their fans were happy that they lost but yeah that was a week nine of the NFL season those were the scores Uh, it was a pretty good it was a pretty good weekend of football Uh, there's particularly some good games Uh, there's some lackluster games Giants versus Washington it was it was an alright game, but no one cares about that game. Texans Jaguars it was pretty good. Jaguars had a backup QB. Texans squeaked out the win. Ravens Colts it was pretty it was pretty uh, uneventful for the beginning, and then it picked up in the second half. Lions Vikings Vikings uh was trying to make a push or something. I don't know. Uh, Cook is carrying that team on his back. He's running. He rushed over two hundred yards this week. Titans versus Bears was a was his news fest, if I do say so myself. Uh, defensive game, the Bears couldn't get anything going. Titans were in control of most of the game. Chiefs-Panthers was surprisingly a very entertaining game. Panthers kept kept close with the Chiefs. The Chiefs sneaked out the victory at the end. Panthers, uh, they don't have the best record, but they've been competitive throughout the whole season. And then Raiders already touched on that. Broncos versus Falcons. Falcons might try to make a late push too. Uh, they choked a lot of games. So their record could be way better if they hadn't choked like those two or three games. 
And yeah, it's pretty much week nine. It was a good it was a good weekend of football. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, a lot of surprises, a lot of close games. Uh the first game that I wanted to touch on was the Bills and the Seahawks. 44-34. The Bills get the victory. Josh Allen is back. He had a great game. Uh, I, I did mention on the last episode that which Josh Allen we were were we gonna get? Were we gonna get the the Josh Allen that was uh, MVP candidate at the beginning of the season, or are we going to get the Josh Allen from the previous three weeks that struggled, that played all right against the Patriots, struggled against the Titans, struggled against Kansas City, and we got the we got the MVP Josh, Josh Allen this, this week, 31 for 38, 415 yards, three touchdowns, seven carries for 14 yards and a touchdown, played lights out, played like an MVP candidate, put that put that offense on his bag was just he was he was masterful this weekend uh we did find out after after the game that unfortunately unfortunately his grandma had died i think the day before or, or friday she had passed away and the coach the coach let him know that if he didn't want to play that it was fine that he could take the week off but josh allen being the being the competitor that he is being uh, the football fanatic that he is he loves football he was like nah i want to play honor my grandma by playing and boy did he do it he had a great game i know he had a heavy heart uh r.i.p his grandma i know he's probably you know going through a lot i can't even imagine how how that must feel and to step onto a football field and have a performance like like he did just tip my hat to him great game uh, russell wilson struggled he had four turnovers his stat line was 28 for 41, 390 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. He lost two fumbles to, uh, I don't know, it, it feels like every time that Russell Wilson has m- multiple turnovers that, that defense can make up the difference. It just seems like Russell Wilson always has to have a perfect game or else the Seahawks don't have a chance. Uh, but yeah, this, this game got away from the Seattle Seahawks pretty quick. Josh Allen was able to finish three of the first four uh, Bills drives with a touchdown. So it just the the Seahawks had to abandon the run pretty early. They were playing from behind. Um, what's his name? Carson was out, so it was, it was already going to be tough to run. And then once they got behind, it, it just it just became a it just became a, a uphill battle. Like like I said, the Bills started up 17-0 real quick. They put the Seattle Seahawks on a hole. They made like a push. They did. Russell Wilson, obviously, he's a great quarterback. He's not going to go down without a fight. Um, but they they were able to sack Russell Wilson five times. Like I said, they forced two picks, two fumbles. They made him uncomfortable. He never really felt comfortable in the pocket. They made him run outside the pocket, extend plays, and it works. It works almost all of the weeks, but. There's gonna be a one week or or one or a couple of weeks where it's just not gonna work and Russell Wilson's not gonna be able to it's not gonna be able to uh, just carry put the team on his back. I did predict that the I did predict that the Seahawks were gonna put thirty points up on the Bills just because they were the number one scoring offense going into the game. But I thought the defense was gonna do a little better job. I think my prediction was like 33-24 or something something around along those lines. Or thirty five, I think. So the Seahawks put up thirty four, but that defense, that defense had no, had no hope. They 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 let the, they let the Bills score forty four on them. That's the most points 
in the 11 years that Pete Carroll has been in Seattle. That's the most points a Pete Carroll team has given up, which is pretty surprising. Uh, Josh, Josh Allen just carved them up. It, it wasn't always uh, Stephon Diggs. He was finding everybody. He was spreading the ball. He was letting everybody everybody eat. Um, Pete Carroll did say after after the game that that uh, it caught him by surprise that the that the Bills just abandoned the run. He thought they were going to run the game, run the ball a little bit, and and the game plan. He had drawn up a game plan that basically uh, had some plays to stop the Bills' running game, and the Bills just kind of just kind of forgot about the run or they they knew i mean i I don't know why p carroll was surprised they came in with a pretty decent running run game and they were like the worst pass defense in the nfl so i could see why the bills would just be like all right we know what their weakness is let's just let's not you know um let's not try to be cute or or do something crazy like we know what they what they're good at we know what they they're really terrible at let's just go after what they're terrible at so that's what they did. They just exposed them through the air. And Pete Carroll said he was surprised. Pete Carroll said he wasn't ready for that. So I think uh, Pete Carroll needs to step it up a little bit. Uh, I know on the media they were saying if any other coach that didn't have the job security that Pete Carroll has would have said that, that, that would have been like bigger headlines and people would have been um, just calling for the, for the coach's job or something. But it's Pete Carroll. He has job security. He's He's done a great job. Since he's been in Seattle for these eleven years, so he gets a little he gets a little uh, slack taken away from him. But it, it, that defense from Seattle is starting to worry me. Um, I don't know it, it, that it's a daunting task to ask Russell Wilson to be perfect every game, to not have any turnovers, to make up for his kind of shaky line that he has at times, to just improvise and get the ball out to his wide receivers and to just make comebacks every week and just sneak out victories. I don't know. I'm losing a little bit of faith on the Seahawks. I have them as my Super Bowl pick. I have them losing to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So uh, the NFC is definitely, definitely tough. It's ramping up. The Saints are coming in hot. The Buccaneers, if they could bounce back, they'll be there. The Packers are coming hot. Revenge season for Aaron Rodgers is what I'm hearing. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to get out of the NFC. With that defense, it's... Something needs to happen. I know Jamal Adams during the game. I saw him screaming at Pete Carroll for, for a little bit. So I don't know what's going on with that. Hopefully um, Jamal Adams could help that defense and they could sure they could uh, sure that defense up. The, particularly the the passing game it, it, that they're struggling a lot. They can't stop anybody. Like I said, Josh Allen was struggling, and and I said if he if he's gonna turn his season around, if he's gonna go, if he's gonna revert back to the MVP form Josh Allen that we saw in the first three or four weeks that this was going to be the week to do it and sure enough he 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 became the MVP candidate Josh Allen again so as far as the Bills go uh they have the Cardinals and the Chargers next and then the Niners Cardinals are going to be a tough tough game for them but they should be favorites Chargers surprisingly they'll probably be a tough game too the Chargers are not a bad team the Chargers just don't know how to win like the Chargers will, they they could probably compete against anybody. They compete against the Chiefs. They compete against the Bucks. That they, they have like seventeen plus point leads on a lot of these teams. A lot of these good teams. They just don't know how to how to close, and that's that's something that's plagued the Chargers for many many years. So the Bills better not better not sleep on that game. They better be ready because 
the Chargers could potentially beat them. And then they play the Niners, and the Niners are pretty beat up, so that that should uh, they should beat that team. But, but they gotta they gotta keep trying. They definitely gotta. Uh, they can't take any games lightly. I know the Patriots are are behind in the standings, but the the Dolphins are right there behind them. The Dolphins are five and three, basically a game and a half behind them. So they gotta keep at it, keep at it. They can't they can't lose. Because Tua is coming. Tua is definitely coming. The Dolphins and Brian Flores are right there. And I think they're on a four-game win streak. So for the Bills, you know, this is probably the best start to a season I think I read since, like, the the late 90s or something like that. So take it all in. Enjoy it. Josh Allen looks like he's picked it back up. He's going to turn the season around. But don't get don't get too comfortable because the Dolphins are right there and, and they look good, too. And speaking of the Dolphins, that'll be my transition into the next game. The Dolphins and the Cardinals had a great game on Sunday. They were, uh, I think, one of three games that were uh, on the 1 p.m. schedule for the NFL on Sunday. 1 p.m. on the western, on the western side, on the west side of uh, the U.S. Uh, it'll be four. It'll be the four uh, p.m. games in the East Coast. But man, what a game! That was a great game. It was one of the games that uh, I uh, touched on before before week nine. One of the games I highlighted, uh, Kyle Murray versus Tua. I knew it was going to be a good game. Even though Tua didn't have the best of of uh, games against the Rams the week before, it was his first start against the Rams. And uh, he played uh, decent, decent. It's kind of putting it in a good, in a good light. It, a lot of, it had a lot of people thinking like, okay, like how much time are they going to give him before... They start really considering uh, drafting a quarterback in the next in the next year's draft. A lot of people were saying that if he struggles, if he doesn't show, you know, a promise that they were gonna draft a quarterback with the Texans pick in the twenty twenty one draft. But man, did Tua shut them up? He had a great game. Kyle Murray had a great game too, and they both put on a show. They're both they're the future. They they symbolize the future of quarterbacks going forward. I know uh, Brady's still ho- holding on. Drew Brees is still holding on. Rodgers getting up there. Rivers is still here. Big Ben is, you know, doing his thing. And for a while, I know the NFL was probably worried about when that next crop of quarterbacks was going to come. Well, Kyle Murray and two are here. Herbert Burr here. Burrow is here. Um, you know, it seems like we're going to be in good hands. And this game, like, proved that. It was it was just an amazing game to watch. They put on the show. Uh, the game ended with the uh, Gonzalez uh, trying to kick a field goal to send it overtime, and unfortunately he didn't have the leg for it. He kicked it short. Um, Tua had a great state line. He had Tua went 20 for 28, two touchdowns. He rushed seven times for 35 yards. Kyle Murray, Kyle, Kyle Murray also put on a show, 21 for 26, 283 yards, three touchdowns, 11 carries, 106 yards rushing, one touchdown. Man, like they both, their stat lines were ridiculous. If you had any of them on the fan on your fantasy team, they put up points. I think Tua put up like twenty seven, and Kyle Murray put up almost forty or around forty. So that's a little a little side note, just so you could kind of, if you're just a fantasy football player, then you'll you'll know, you'll understand that if they put up those type of points, they probably had a good game. The and just wanted to reiterate that the Dolphins, the Dolphins look good. Like I I was. I was pretty positive on them. I thought they were playing good. 
I was positive on Tua. I thought he was going to be a, a good quarterback. I, I didn't believe. I, I was saying that it was not the same situation when the Cardinals uh, moved on from from Josh Rosen. I said it was a different scenario and, and, and that the Dolphins really believed in Tua. And, man, did he show it. Uh, there was a couple plays where he was just running around, extending the play, like he was about to get sacked, and he just juked. He just juked the person that was about to sack him, and he he looked quick on his feet. Uh, for for all the people that say that Tua is not like the best athlete, or he's not as quick, or he's not that quick, uh, that that's why he gets hurt because he probably thinks he's faster than he is, and he's not that fast, and that's why like people catch up to him. He looked pretty fast. He looked pretty. He looked pretty quick. He looked pretty shifty out there. It looked like he's definitely gonna be able to maneuver around NFL defenders. Like they're not, they're not gonna be that like athletic, or they're not gonna be too athletic, or what, where he's not able to make some juke moves and get away from them. He looked like he, you know he was comfortable. He was he was uh he was doing his thing. And as a lefty thrower, I just he pops off the screen. I, I like watching Tua play. I think he's a he's gonna be bright, bright. He's gonna be a star in the NFL. Now, I don't know how big of a star. He's maybe not a superstar, but he's definitely gonna be star. He'll probably make a couple Pro Bowls, is what I predict. He he looked good, and I I want to I believe in Tua. I believe in Tua. And now the Dolphins are positioned where they're only two wins away from the Bills, and the Dolphins already had their bye, and the Bills haven't. So potentially they're one game behind. One, they're basically one game and a half behind the Bills, and they play they play on Week Seventeen. So circle that game in your calendar. I feel like. Uh, the way the schedule's setting up, they have a chance to where that game could mean something. The division could come down to the last week, week 17, Bills versus Dolphins. I think that would be an amazing scenario. And it would be fun. Regardless if it comes down to the last to the last uh, week of the NFL, uh, the Dolphins have positioned themselves where uh, they could compete for a wild card spot. Uh, the next three games they have on their schedule, they have the Chargers, Broncos and the Jets, and then they have the Bengals too. The next four games on their schedule: Chargers, Broncos, Jets, and Bengals. So you know they could really stack up some wins, some wins going forward in these next four weeks. Like I already talked about the Chargers, but the Chargers—they're not a bad team, but they just can't finish games out. So they will—they should be favored against the Chargers. Broncos—they should be favored against them too. Jets definitely gonna win. Jets are trying to tank. Jets are not trying to win. And then the Bengals. So. That's going to be a good test. It's going to be great TV, too, because the Chargers and the Bengals are coming up. And that's Burrow and that's Herbert. And now we get to see we get to see the three top quarterbacks in the twenty in the 2020 draft play against each other. And I think that's going to be a, I love storylines. I, lo- I love when, you know, you're able to write about stuff coming going into a game. And that there you go. The number one pick against the number five, the number five pick against the number seven pick. All of them looks like like they have a bright future. It's gonna be it's, it's gonna be good TV. It's gonna be good TV. And what more do you want as an NFL fan? And uh, the Cardinals, the Cardinals look like a the Cardinals look like they're the Seahawks light. I know they just beat them, but the Seahawks are higher in the standings, and the Seahawks are you know everyone rates the Seahawks a little better than the than the Cardinals, but they're they're in that same boat. They have a great potent offense. They have a great quarterback, MVP candidate, quarterback Murray. Should be creeping up with all these stats he's putting up, but they're they're on the same boat. They have a great offense, they have a great quarterback, and their defense is pretty atrocious. They can't stop anybody. But Murray, he is on pace for four thousand yards and a thousand yards rushing. 
with 48 combined touchdowns. That's ridiculous. That's insane. This man is putting on a show. It's it's his second year in the NFL, and he's already doing stuff like this. Man, he's making look. He I know people were questioning, like, man, you just dropped the Josh Rosen, I believe, tenth overall the season before, and now you're gonna trade him for a second. You're gonna take a loss on that after one year of one round, basically, just so you could draft another quarterback. Well, there you go. Now you see why they did it. Murray's a Murray's a beast. He he's he's amazing, and I know I know the Cardinals. The Cardinals and Cardinal fans should be upset because, you know, they lost to they lost to some crappy teams. I know they lost to the Lions, and I think they lost to the Panthers, and now they lose to the Dolphins. And you know, going into those games, I believe they were favored in all of them. And the way that the way they looked against the Seahawks and other teams, you would think that they would be able to pull these games out, and to lose those games against like inferior teams or inferior teams on paper, or just you know. The way you're playing, you you would think the Cardinals would win games like that. So I think this is just part of growing pains. This season, it's it's not it's not so such a bad thing that you know they lose these games, keeps them hung- humble, keeps them hungry. It's the second season of Kyler Murray. It's the second season of the head coach, Kingsbury, I believe his name. So as long as they keep building and next season they're not losing these games, then I I feel like there's nothing to worry about. It's just part of the process. Like I said, 2018, 2019, they were three and thirteen. Last year they were five, ten, and one. And this year they're five and three after eight games. So in half of the games this last season, they already matched their win total. Cardinal fans, I know it was a it was a hard loss, hard pill to swallow, because you guys could have been right there behind the Seahawks, one game behind. And then you know, then it's not just playoff. Then it's just not playoff aspirations. Then you can start dreaming even bigger, because. That that home field advantage, getting a home playoff game, that's that's key when you're trying to go make a deep playoff run. But for now, I think you're still two games behind the Seahawks or a game and a half behind the Seahawks. It gets a little harder to win the division. But if you look at it, if you take a step back and just look at the progress the team has made from that three and thirteen season, then you'll see that you know the Cardinals are on the right way, and at least you found your franchise quarterback. So. Just keep at it. Cardinals are in the right way. And they play entertaining football. So as a neutral fan, uh, Cardinals are fun. They're, they're a team I like to I like to watch whenever I can. Uh, I, I watch most of these games. So Cardinals are one of the games that I, I just like to turn the channel to just because, you know, they're fun. They're fun, fun team. And anytime Kyle Murray's on the on the field, I want I want to see him play. He's, he's an amazing quarterback. And shout out to Kyle Murray. But that was that was the uh, Cardinals versus Dolphins. The next game that I want to talk about was the Buccaneers versus the Saints. Thirty-eight to three, Saints got the dub. Woo! I did not see that coming. I thought it was gonna be a shootout. I thought it was gonna be a a great a great Sunday night football game. This was probably one of the games I was looking forward to the most this season. The, the match number two, Saints versus Buccaneers. Uh, the Saints. The Saints beat them on week one, and then but the books had like a legit excuse, you know they hadn't they hadn't had an off season. Uh, it was the first game that Brady played for the Buccaneers. All the chemistry excuses were there, and they made sense. You were like, okay, that makes sense. Like, can't expect so much from the Bucks on week one with no off season, with not a lot of training, with all these Zoom meetings. But it was a beatdown from start to finish. The Saints absolutely destroyed the 
Bucks. Like, where should I even start? Like, Breeze had a great game. Brady looked old. That defense was getting pressure on Brady. The Buccaneers were, you know, breaking in their new toy, Antonio Brown. And Godwin was back. Evans was still there. Gronk was supposed to be getting his legs under him. He was supposed to be another weapon. It was just, it was, it was ridiculous to see everyone from the Sunday night panel pick the Bucks too. I picked the Bucks. Everyone from the Fox panel picked the Bucks. It was just ridiculous. I, it, I still, I'm still wrapping my head around it. Just what happened? How did it go so south for the Buccaneers at home too? Like. It was just ridiculous, but for for the Saints, you know, it was another day at the office, what they usually do. Breeze was spreading the love. He completed a pass to 12, or 12 different receivers caught a pass. I don't know if Breeze did did, did it to all 12, because Breeze, Breeze, Breeze got to sit out a little bit at the in the fourth quarter, so I believe the 12 different catcher was, was a catch by, uh, was thrown by um, Winston. But 12 different receivers from the Saints caught a pass. I think the only one that didn't catch a pass that was eligible to catch a pass was one of their reserve running backs. <laughs> and that reserve running back got more yards, more yards rushing than uh than the whole Bucks team combined cuz the Bucks were for, were behind so so quickly they they had to abandon the run. They only had 8 yards rushing the whole game, which is ridiculous. I'll get into that into in a little bit, but Breeze Breeze put on the show. Breeze was magnificent. 222 yards passing, 26 for 32. Four touchdowns. He takes the all-time lead against Brady one more time. Brady came into the game one touchdown ahead of Drew Brees in the all-time touchdowns. And he had zero, and Drew Brees had four. So Drew Brees is now three touchdowns ahead of Brady. And I don't think Brady's going to catch up to him. <laughs> Brees looks like he's heating up, and Brady looks like, you know, put a, put a little damp damper his mood um this week. But Taysom Hill also had a great game. Uh, he got paid. He got paid this offseason. And now he's still that Swiss Army knife that the Saints love. I know Sean Payton loves him. He was running the ball. He was throwing the ball. He he was doing, he was catching the ball. He was doing everything. He was hurtling over defenders. Man, Taysom Hill, like, really showed what, what he could bring to a team, what he could bring to the Saints when he's on, when when they use him correctly. And it, it was it was fun. It was fun to see him go out there and, you know, be used in all assets of the offense. Like he actually threw the ball. They were saying that I think that was the fourth pass that he's thrown the whole season. So it was, it was pretty cool to see him throw the ball. And uh, the bug the Bucks defense just couldn't couldn't stop the couldn't stop the Saints. The Saints spread the ball so 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 good. Like just you can't really key on anybody. Michael Thomas was back. I believe he had five or six catches. Kamara had his five or more usual catches. Emmanuel Sanders got into action too. He caught a touchdown pass. It was just a, a, a beautiful display of spreading the wealth. And now this, I think the Saints should be the favorites in the NFC now, like after watching everybody play. I know this changes from week to week. You never know who's the favorite. And one week will be the Saints. The Bucks came in as one of the teams that people were like, okay, they should be the favorites. Seattle has been on the top, but then they lost to the Bills. But after this beatdown, I, I, I sh- the Saints and... The Saints are getting the players back. Michael Thomas is back. They're getting healthy. I think it would be a dishonor. We would be uh, not doing them justice if we if I didn't think or put them at, at the top of the, the power rankings for the NFC. So right now I would put the Saints at, at the very top. 
convincing win on the road against the Buccaneers, who everybody was really high on. That that definitely puts the Saints right up there. And now they take a they swept the they swept the Patriots. I mean, they <laughs> I think of Brady, I think of the Patriots, but they swept the Bucks uh, 2-0 in the in the in the season. And this is the first time that Brady has gotten swept in his whole career. I think that has to do more with the with how bad the AFC East has been throughout the throughout his career. Because when you're playing the Dolphins, when you're playing the Bills, and when you're playing uh, the Jets, it's it's very hard to get swept. 2-0. Like you might lose one game to them, but they're not going to beat you twice in one season. But first year that he's gone from the AFC East, and it's the first time that he he gets swept in a against a division rival. But as far as Brady, I think he looked old. I think I think he was fe- he was forcing the ball too much to Brown. I did kind of see that. I did think he was going to do that. That's why I predicted that Antonio Brown was going to have a good game. I thought Brady was going to be keen to make everyone like you know accept the fact that he's the one that push the Bucks to get Antonio Brown. So I thought he was gonna make uh, a considerable effort to to find him and just, you know, tell everyone could be quiet and everybody could uh just, you know, get off his back. Cause now now that Antonio Brown or now that they lost and now that Antonio Brown had like a so so start to his Bucks career, now people are gonna start questioning like, man, was that the right move that they even need to bring this guy? Like what were they thinking? They were already doing good. Like they didn't need Antonio Brown, and and when they start asking those questions or bringing those topics up, they're gonna look at Brady because he's the one that really pushed for Brown to be there. So that was my thought process. I thought, all right, he's gonna he's gonna find Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown's gonna have a big game, and everyone's gonna be like, okay, I see why they brought. I saw. I see why they brought him in. I know. I see now why Brady wanted him. But he was trying to feed him the ball. It just. It just didn't work out. On one of those long passes to Antonio Brown, he got intercepted. Um, but I like I, there's a saying throughout the years that you never bet against Brady. Like if you're trying to lose money, you bet against Brady. So even when they were getting beat like 28-0 in the first half, I was like, oh, like he might come back. Like I was just I was still watching. Like all right, once he gets one touchdown or gets the ball going, and they, they get on the board, like. And the defense gets a stop, and then they score another touchdown, another 14. I, I just kept, like, thinking of scenarios in my head. Like, how are they going to come back? How is this going to happen? How is Brady going to just, you know, add another comeback to his resume? But it never happened. At the beginning of the third quarter, they got in, like, goal-to-goal situation, and they weren't able to punch it in. Uh, they got a fourth down. The Saints got a fourth down stop on this throw that Brady threw to, threw to Gronk, and Gronk wasn't able to secure it, and he dropped it. And that was pretty much the nail in the coffin. I'm like, all right, this game's done. At the end, the Bucks kicked a, a field goal just so they wouldn't stay at zero. It's pretty, pretty overall pathetic performance by the Bucks. <laughs> it's just, it was like lost, lackluster. It was bad. Uh, where do they go from here? Uh, if I feel like they kind of blew their Super Bowl chance because now the Saints have a commanding lead for the division title. And if the Bucks end up as a wild card, then. They're not gonna win the Super Bowl just because Brady's three and four on the road his whole career. He's always he's always had the the pleasure of at least playing two home games. He's if he's not the one or two seed, he, um, he always gets the buy. It's it's just an easier road. You play one last game, you're basically guaranteed a home playoff the whole time till the Super Bowl, 
And if if the Bucks have to go on the road three times to get to the Super Bowl, I can tell you right now it's not gonna happen. Brady's not gonna <laughs> Brady's not gonna win three road games to get to the Super Bowl. So they have to win the division, and now the road gets very very tough for them. And uh, I don't see it happening. So I think this was a big game. It was a pitiful game. I think the Saints understood what a big game this was. That's why <laughs> these videos came out afterwards, like about their celebration. Sean Payton dancing with his players in the in the locker room, like strobe lights were out, the lighting was cool. Those videos were nice, and I think I think it's because the Saints understand what what the magnitude of this victory, and now the Saints position themselves to fight for that number one seed in the NFC. And if they do, then this might be the year that the Saints get over the hump. I know they've had cruel losses the last two or three years, and it seems like it's not gonna happen, but. Drew Brees came back for one more year, and the way they played yesterday, they could be anybody. So if you're a Saints fan, don't give up yet. This might be the year. So let's quickly just transition over to the Premier League. In the Premier League, match day eight is now in the books. It was a pretty low-scoring weekend across across the across the league. Um, there was like a couple high-scoring games, but for the most part, there was a lot of one one zero victories. Uh, Burnley versus Burnley versus Brighton, uh, they tied at zero. Southampton beats Newcastle 2-0. They keep their hot start to the season. They're doing pretty good. Southampton surprise team so far. The early surprise team, Everton loses to Manchester United 3-1. They've lost three straight now. It looks like uh, they're heading towards the middle of the pack where, they, uh, where they're accustomed to being. So normalcy is being restored. Crystal Palace beats Leeds United 4-1. Chelsea beats Sheffield United 4-1. Sheffield has really struggled out of the gates. I think I believe they're in last place. They, I think they have one point. They're really struggling. It looks like they're heading down to the championship after having a pretty solid season last year. It's uh, it's pretty shocking. West Ham beat Fulham, beat Fulham 1-0. West Brom loses to Tottenham 1-0 in the closing minutes. Leicester squeaks out a victory against the Wolves, 1-0. Man City and Liverpool, a draw at 1. A pretty hyped-up game, lived up to the billing in the first half. Second half got a little dull. And Arsenal versus Aston Villa. Aston Villa beats Arsenal 3-0, and they keep uh, their pretty solid starts to the season, too. Uh, as far as the table, Leicester's in first, followed by Tottenham, Liverpool, Southampton. Uh, that's your top four, Leicester, Tottenham, Liverpool, Southampton. And then the rest, Chelsea, Aston Villa, Everton, Crystal Palace, Wolves, and City. And then your bottom half of the table, Arsenal, West Ham, Newcastle, Man United, Leeds United, Brighton, Fulham, West Brom, Burnley, and Sheffield all the way at the bottom. One point out of eight games, negative 10 goal differential. It's a rough season for Sheffield. It looks like they're heading down to the championship. I couldn't have predicted that. I thought they were going to be a 10 and up team again, but it is the Premier League. You don't you don't you never know what you're going to get coming into the seasons. But there is three games that I wanted to touch on. Um Manchester United versus Everton is the first one. Manchester United versus Everton. It was a pretty good game. It started off with the uh, Bernard getting the opening goal for Everton in the in the first like nine, 20 minutes, I believe. I think he scored in the 19th minute. And then I, seeing that, yeah, he scored in the 19th minute. After seeing that, I was like, okay. Like I predicted an Everton 3-1 victory. 
And I was like, okay, like, you know, this is right along how I thought this was, game was going to go. Everything was going to get a goal. United was going to press up. And then everything was going to get them on the counterattack. James was going to be able to pick apart the defense. He was going to have holes to work with, space to work with. But unfortunately for Everton, uh, Bruno Fernandes got the tying goal six minutes afterwards. A beautiful cross by Luke Shaw. And then Everton, I mean, Fernandes sneaks into the into the box. Open header, places it beautifully on the right side of the goal. And uh, after that, it was just Manchester United kind of took over, uh, took the lead. Uh, seven minutes later in the 32nd minute, Bruno Fernandes with the cross for Rashford. Goes untouched, and then it just keeps going into the back of the net. And then after that, Everton was playing from behind, trying to get the equalizing goal. And then in stoppage time, they're sending they're sending a lot of people forward. They're sending a lot of people forward to get the tying goal. And they get caught on a counterattack. And Cavani scores his first goal for United, puts the game away. 3-1 victory for United. And good for United. They had struggled in the, in the middle of the week. They had struggled in Champions League. Everybody was calling for Oli's job. And as far as Everton, uh, this is the Everton that we all that we all know. This is the Everton that we're familiar with. Three straight defeats after their hot start, and before those three straight defeats, they had a tie. So they've managed to get one point out of their last twelve, and they've fallen from first to seventh. And like everybody was struggling to start to start the season, so their first place was kind of like a little asterisk. It wasn't like a first place in a regular season where the the top six start like, in their best form, and, and Everton was leading. Like, teams were already, the top six teams were struggling, and now they're getting into form. So, Everton dropping to seventh, you know, I, I don't see them fighting back and, and crawling back into the top four spot. I see them, if anything, just, the highest I see Everton going is maybe fifth or sixth, and then the lowest is probably, like, 10th or 11th. They're, they're, that's right where they belong, in my opinion. Uh, when people were asking if, they had a chance to win the league after their hot start. I, I kind of said I was hesitant to even say top four just because in the Premier League, you need a lot of squad depth. You need a lot of uh, players that could come in when you get an injured player, when players get suspended, or if somebody comes and takes your player in January, in the January transfer market, you got to you gotta have squad depth to, uh, to offset the losses, like I said, of injury or suspension. And they had both. They had Richarlison was gone for suspension because of his – harsh tackle against Liverpool and then they had some injuries and it just it just the players that came in to replace those players their bench players their squad players didn't have the quality didn't have the chemistry to make up for those losses and now one point out of 12 seventh seventh place now it's looking rough for Everton uh, I don't see them mounting a comeback in the as the season progresses we're now heading into the into the tough stages of the season, like November, December are usually where the league gets decided, and I don't think Everton has the personnel to do it. I feel sorry for Ancelotti. I am an Ancelotti fan, and I wanted James to do good. And, you know, even just getting Everton in, in the Europa League spot will be a success story for them. So they still have a chance for that. So I'm not counting them out for Europe next season. Realistically, uh, I think it would, it would hurt them. I think if they're trying to progress into a competitive team, think they need another season where they're not you know dividing their squad even more by having all these tournaments but Everton fooled me I thought they were I thought they were for real for a little bit and now I'm kind of seeing who they really are and um, one statistic that really caught my attention was uh, they're actually 0-8 when Richarlison doesn't play 
Uh, he's missed eight games since he joined Everton in summer of 2018. And that really goes to show, like, how the squad depth. The squad depth. That means they don't really have somebody to, to pick up the slack for Richarlison when he's not there. And he's a pretty good player. He's Brazilian. He has he has some flair. He's pretty quick. He, he, he adds a lot to that, to their offensive trio. So I think in January, if they're still in the battle, if they somehow manage to stay lurking, maybe fifth or fourth or in the top six, they should uh, definitely invest in some some players, try to try to build that squad depth, and maybe they could make a push in the second half of the season. As far as United, uh, Fernandez was their best player again. He tends to be their best player a lot of the times, and uh, Cavani finally got on the scoreboard. I think he's going to be great for them. I predict that he's going to be good for them. I think he still has a lot to offer. He's one of the most prolific scorers of his generation. And as far as Ole go, I, I still think he should go. The team seems to respond when he's about to get fired. After they lost to Tottenham, they lost. After they lost six one to Tottenham, they beat Newcastle four one, and then they got some convincing wins in in Champions League against PSG and Red Bull. But then they lose to Arsenal, and then they lose to uh, Istanbul, Basaksir, Basaksis. Sorry, I'm mispronouncing the the name. And then they respond against against Everton but this roller coaster that United keeps going on is the lows are too low the highs are not high enough and uh I just I don't think he's a man for the job I, I don't know how, how much longer they're gonna uh like you know ride ride this program out ride this coach out but I, I've kind of lost faith in uh, Ole and I think they should make a transition and maybe get Pochettino maybe get somebody else but I, I just don't think he's the man for the job but just some takeaways. Now we're going into the international break. Uh, United still has a long way to climb on the table for where they want to be. And Everton, they're, they're falling. And it looks like you got to sell your stock now before it keeps getting lower. But, yeah, it was a pretty good game. Shout out to United for saving Ole's job. Ole's job and uh, Everton, you got to pick it up. The second game that I wanted to get into was Wolves versus Leicester City. Wolves lose to Leicester 1-0. Uh, it was a pretty good game. Uh, kind of didn't have too many chances, but it was entertaining. The first half was uh, all Foxes. Wolves didn't really show up for the first half. In typical Wolves fashion, that's what they do. Uh, if you're a Wolves fan or if you keep up with their games, it's been kind of frustrating watching them just never come out the gates really firing, always taking a half to get warmed up and then coming back in the second half and and uh, being a more aggressive team, like having more urgency. So this was the same thing in this game. Uh, Leicester City earned two penalties in the first half. Vardy converted one, and Real Patricio stopped the second one. The first one was the first penalty was kind of controversial, or it was controversial in my mind. Uh, they were doing the the Leicester was doing a cross in the Wolves box, and Max Kilman was like maybe four feet away from the cross. And the ball hits his hand. It's in a natural position. There's nowhere he could put his hand. And they call that a penalty. Everyone from the announcers to the embassy, like, halftime crew were questioning, like, how is that a penalty? What is the defender supposed to do at that point? Like, how is he supposed to run or even move with his hands, is it, like, just tied to his body? It's, it's really unfortunate that they keep calling penalties like that. I don't like the new penalty rule. I think they need to go back to the old rule where the they gotta, you know, measure intent. If there was intent, then okay, like you, you uh, 
you call a penalty. But if he's just running, if he's in a natural position, it's really hard to move your hand when when they're uh, when the opponent is like three feet away from you, or f- like even less. I don't know how close. It maybe it was definitely less than five feet. And the ball is coming with pace. Like, what are you supposed to do with your hands? It's super unfortunate. I think if this continues, people are just going to be hand hunting, arm hunting. They're just going to tell their forwards to, hey, just cross the ball and cross it, you know, kind of like at a waist level, waist to upper torso level, and just try to get a handball because they're calling that. Any any ball that hits the, the, hand, the hand or the arm, they're calling it a penalty nowadays. So just, you know, even if no one's in the box, just try to get across, hit, hit that man's arm. I think that's where we're getting to. There's too many penalties being called. I don't like it. I think it's uh, it's not good for the sport. But yeah, the the uh, Wolves were dominated in the first half. Um, Leicester looked like the better team in the second half. The Wolves played better. I I don't want to say they dominated or anything. They played better. They were more competitive. They had some chances. Not too many. Don't want to overstate what they did. By any by any means, they they never really challenged Michael. He they didn't make him a a hero. They didn't make him like you know the best player on the pitch. They didn't really worry him that much. They did they did uh, have more possession in Leicester's half, but most of it came to nothing. Uh, they they I don't know. They have Silva Silva. They spent forty million euros, I think, on him, and he's not really getting playing time. It was nice to see him get at least twelve minutes. I believe he got, and he looked pretty decent. Um, but they need to, they need to, they need to put him in more. They need to make them make that purchase worth it more. They, uh, Wolves just look pretty stagnant going forward. Uh, they look like they're struggling to score goals. Schmeichel did make a great save against this uh, shot from Neves that came outside the box. Is going top right corner, and Schmeichel make a great save, conserve the tie for the wolf for the for the. Foxes and then Leicester goes top of the table after eight games. They're top of the table going into international break. Uh, they were saying that when the when Leicester won the league, I believe like four seasons ago. At this point in the season, they were fifth and now they're first. So hey, it, it might be time for the Foxes to start believing again. They do have a, a nice squad. Got Madison. They have Vardy. They have Schmeichel. Their defense is solid. They have Tielemans. They have a little squad going. If they could avoid injuries, if maybe they could get a, a player or two in, in the January transfer market, uh, they could definitely challenge for the league, especially the way the league is going this year. It, it's, it looks like it's wide open. Anybody could take it, or anybody of these consistent teams could take it with like decent squad depth. And uh, they play Liverpool when we come back from international break, so that's going to be a great game. Uh, it just looks like... The Foxes are are firing on all cylinders. Six wins out of eight games. That's uh, that's pretty impressive for anybody and for the Foxes to be doing this with Vardy. And Vardy missed some games too, and now he's back. So I, I actually like Leicester a lot. It's a team that's easy to root for. They're probably like the Wolves before the Wolves. Like It's just a team that comes out of nowhere, does good. And, you know, as a neutral fan, it, it, it's appealing to the eye. You like to see these underdog teams do good. As far as Wolves... The 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 style of get, of play that they they used to bring uh, when they moved up from the championship that really caught my attention and I know it caught a lot of people's attention and made some neutral fans Wolves fans and just made some neutral fans just tune into their games. Uh, it, it's been missing this season. They've been struggling to play like entertaining soccer. They've been struggling to score goals, and I don't know what they need to do. They need to. I think Adama Traore needs to be given a start somewhere along the lines. 
I mean, whatever they're doing right now is not really working too, too well. They're not really scoring goals, so they got to mix it up a little bit, put put Adama Traore. I know they're missing Jota. He's doing great with Liverpool. But the Wolves got to – Nuno has to do something. I know it was one of their best start. It was the best start ever to the Premier League season statistically, but just the eye test is not there. So Wolves got to do something, give Silva more time or start Adama Traore. They got to do something. They can't just keep going down this path and – Hope to squeak out 1-0 victories and have make put so much pressure on the defense to always have a clean sheet. It, I, I don't think that's sustainable. And if they have aspirations to be a top six, top six, seven team in the in the Premier League again this season, then they gotta pick it up and they gotta try something out. So Nuno, try something out, change the squad up a little bit, change the starting uh, lineup a little bit. And Foxes, um, actually. Pretty happy that you guys are top of the table. You're an easy team to root for. I like Vardy. Good job, Foxes. Top of the table. Shout out to all the Leicester fans out there. And shout out to all the Wolves fans out there, too. We're still here. I'm still a Wolves fan. Let's see how if they could uh, pick it up the rest of the season. And the last game that I wanted to talk about, Liverpool versus City. Liverpool versus City was the hyped-up game of this week. Everybody wanted to see it. The last two champions... Both of them breaking records in their respective seasons when they won the league. Um, just two dominant teams with two great coaches, Pep versus Klopp. Uh, it lived up to the building in the first half. It was scintillating soccer. It was great to watch. I, I was The NFL was on at that time already. NFL Sunday had kicked off, but I was watching that Liverpool game. It was back and forth. The midfield was wide open. It was fluid. It was end-to-end. The first half. The first half. The first half was just amazing soccer. And then in the second half, they kind of pulled off a little bit. They they took their foot off the pedal. And I think it was understandable that uh, both teams have had very busy schedules. And they're traveling everywhere to Champions League and then back to league. And uh, in the 60th minute, I believe, uh, Trent, Trent Arnold Alexander pulled up with the calf injury and he was gone and they're saying that he's uh he won't be back till December or mid December for Liverpool and Liverpool's already been reeling they already lost Van Dyke and now to lose Trent Alexander that back line is taking a beating. Uh, thankfully they got Allison back a little quicker than expected. But I think Trent Alexander going down in the sixtieth minute kinda made everyone a little weary. They they were if if they were going all out maybe it made them like question themselves uh, in the Premier League this year, I think most of injuries are up 20% from last season. And it has to do with the small small offseason and all these games that are getting packed in to, to have a full season. And, I mean, I, wanna, I wanted to I wanna touch on the game a little bit before I dive into the second point. But uh, it, was a good, it was a good game, back and forth. Salah scored a penalty to, to start things off. And then Jesus came back. And scored a goal. He, all he does is score goals. Jesus, he's a he's a bright str- uh, striker for City. He always seems to be in the right position, even when things go bad. He they still go right. Cause on that goal, it looked like he had a bad first touch, and then he reacted quicker than the defenders and was able to poke the ball in. And then they called, uh, just like in the Wolves game, they called another penalty against Liverpool. That was a handball. Uh, I think the Bruin was trying to whip the ball into the into the box. And it hit a Liverpool defender. I think it hit Gomez's hand. He's trying to, like, turn around and get away from, like, not let the ball hit his hand. But the ball was coming with so much pace. And 
like he's just running back to his goal, so his hands are naturally going in front of him. Hits his arm. Penalty for Liverpool. Unfortunate situation. Uh, De Bruyne missed the penalty, so you know I was at the time I was like, "Ball don't lie, ball don't lie," because I don't think that was a penalty. Announcers didn't think it was a penalty. I remember the announcers were saying, "Like I don't think it's a penalty," but did you guys watch the Wolves game versus Leicester right before this? Uh, they called it a penalty. Uh, you know, it's it's just hard. Like, what is the defender supposed to do? I think they're gonna call it a penalty, and then sure enough, the referee goes to VAR, checks it, and then he comes back and blows blows a penalty, calls for a penalty. And, you know, that kind of upset me. I, I don't like those type of penalties. I think it's it's bad for soccer. It's, it's, gonna, it's bad for football. It's going to incentivize people to just look for the handball, look for a cross, and hit hit the opponent's hand. I don't know. I don't like it. I think there, sh- there should be – they should go back to the – one more one more time. I think they should go back to the old rule where you got to you gotta see if there's intent, if there's intent of the player to block the ball. With his hand. If not, then just keep on playing. It's part of the game. They're moving. People are running. Their arms are going to naturally move. If it hits his hand without him intentionally trying to stop the ball, then no penalty. But just after that, it was a great game, back and forth. Uh, I thought I thought maybe Hota was going to get on the scoreboard. I did predict a, a massive victory by Liverpool. They looked good in Champions League. And I was like, Jota's on fire. He's going to keep continuing to score goals. But I did not consider that they've, they're have they playing a gruesome schedule right now. They're traveling back and forth. Uh, I think the Premier League is the only league out of the top, like, four or five leagues in Europe to have to go back, to revert back to the three subs. Everywhere else, they still have five subs. And the Premier League, for some reason, thinks they're better than everybody else. And I, I did not consider fatigue going into this game. And I think both teams were content just getting a point. Uh, Liverpool, they're pretty high up in the table, so they could afford to not drop points. And I know City, they're already behind. And if they would have pushed to go for the win, and then they would have conceded the goal to Liverpool and they would have lost. And now they lose three more points to Liverpool. That was not going to be good for them. So uh, I, I now look, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I can see why this ended in a one-one tie. But after the game, what really caught my attention is that both both uh, Pep and Klopp um, made it made it a emphasis to just like they were asking them questions about the game and how it went. And they were like pretty quick to just say it was a good game, and they applauded their players for playing good, for doing this, for doing that. And then they both quickly transitioned into like looking straight into the camera or looking at the reporter and just telling him, "Hey, what needs to happen is the people that that are in control of these games, the people up top, they need to take care of the players." You know, Trent Alexander. England international is hurt. He's going to be gone for a while. He's not going to go to play these international games during international break for England. And all these muscle injuries that are going on around the league, even Ole, the coach for Manchester United, was complaining too about the TV schedule. And I agree with them. Like, uh, You have teams going to Turkey. You have teams going all over Europe playing these games. And you reduce the subs to three, and then you make them play the early game. Like Klopp was saying, you can't make these teams that are going everywhere, traveling to all these places, play the early games. You just wake up and you play. You don't even let your body, like, get its natural, like, rejuvenation. Just get back in, into, like, a good state. And if you keep doing these, like, players are just going to keep dropping like flies. And they're just going to keep getting hurt. And it's going to be bad for the league. 
And I think uh, I agree with that. Like, I know the, they should definitely add five subs again. Like, they need to talk about that. Like, come on. Like, it's, 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 it's a weird year. Obviously, if you don't want to keep it going forward once we're through this pandemic and we're back to normalcy, that's fine. But as of right now, with teams not being able to train as much as they can because of COVID and COVID restrictions and everything that's going on, you got you to gotta have five subs. You got to do it. I know the smaller teams are complaining because, uh, you know, they don't have the – they don't have the rosters to make those eight, the, those five subs. Like if they make those five subs, maybe the the third, the fourth, the fifth sub are not as impact as they would be for like Liverpool or City. If they want all those five players that are coming on are quality players, but you know the other leagues around the world are doing it. In Spain, they're doing it, and the, the table is still you know jumbled up. It's still it's still chaos. And as far as it goes, I think I think at the end of the day. Uh, even right now, when there's the way it's going, as you see, Everton is like the perfect example. They started off hot, and naturally, there's going to be injuries, and there's going to be suspensions, and there's going to be a drop in form, and they're already down in seventh. And I think naturally, that the top teams are always going to end up at the top. Like it's always going to be City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Manchester United, Tottenham. All those teams are always going to be at the top. Maybe you get a surprise team that ends up in the top, but they're always going to be at the top. The only difference that's going to happen if you don't change nothing is they're going to get there with a lot more injuries. So I think they should go to five subs. I think uh, they should consider uh, they got to talk to the TB providers, to the people that set up the schedule and see if they could do anything to maybe help out these teams because if they're playing Wednesday night uh, all over Europe and they're getting the the early Saturday game, then it's really tough on the body. It's it's hard to recover after going all out for 90 minutes and then telling them to play three and three days later, play another 90 minutes at full intensity. It's just hard. So I do agree with Klopp. I do agree with uh, Guardiola. They need to do something about it. And uh, now we're in the international break and uh, week, week eight, match day eight of the Premier League season is in the books. First eight weeks of the Premier League have been amazing. I am uh, I'm pretty excited to see how it plays out. Pretty excited to see if they make any changes to the schedule, if they make any uh, changes to the to the sub rule, and if they make any changes to the handball rule too, because uh, it's getting pretty out of hand. All these penalties that are being called that are pretty ticky tacky. They're not they're not conclusive. They're not penalties that would have been called back in the day. But that's pretty much it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I appreciate all, all of you guys. If you're still here, if you're still listening, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the podcast, and uh, I'm going to keep uh, making videos and providing some content for the Premier League, for soccer all over the world, and for the NFL right now. And uh, some NBA talk is going to be coming too. Uh, and the, the NBA draft and the NBA offseason is right around the corner, so I'm going to be talking about that in a little bit. But thank you so much for listening to the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. My name is Ismael San Juan. Have a great rest of your day, wherever you are. Salute.